An ADLL Adventure in Liverpool From Chambers' Edinburgh Journal, number 441, volume 17, new series, June 12, 1852. Editors Robert and William Chambers British and American Periodical Articles, 1852-1905, to by Various Section 7 This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Bologna Times Liverpool has perhaps fewer relics of an archaeological nature than any other town in the United Kingdom, and this at first seems a little singular when we remember that it is not without its place in the more romantic eras of our history, and that a castle of considerable strength once lent it protection. Its old castle, its towers, and the walls by which it was surrounded have all been swept away by the busy crowds that now throng its thoroughfares. Even the former names of places have in most instances been altered, as if to obliterate all recollections and associations connected with its early history. Thus, a row of houses, which a few years ago bore the not very euphonious name of Castle Ditch, from its having followed a portion of the line of the moat by which the fortress which once stood near it was surrounded, was changed into St. George's Crescent, and many others underwent similar transmutations. But if the physical aspect of the place holds out few or no attractions to the antiquary, the moral one of its inhabitants, in so far as his favorite subject is concerned, is equally uninviting. For, taken as a whole, it would be difficult to find a population less influenced by or interested in such studies. The only relic of the olden times which Liverpool has for a long time past retained was a long, low, picturesque-looking thatched cottage in the small village of Everton, of Toffee notoriety, which went by the name of Prince Rupert's Cottage, from its having been the headquarters of that fiery leader when he besieged the town from the ridge on which the village is situated. But even this was swept away about six years ago by the proprietor to allow a street which he had mapped out to abut upon the village at the point it occupied. The project did not succeed, and the outline of the contemplated street is all that as yet marks out the spot where this interesting object stood. I confess to the soft impeachment of having been, at a very early period of my life, inoculated with the true Monk Barnes enthusiasm, and I have always been a great admirer of that beautiful remark of Lord Bacon's, that antiquities may be considered as the planks of a wreck which wise and prudent men gather and preserve from the deluge of time some months ago i was walking along what is called the breck road leading out of the little village of everton of which i have been speaking when my attention was arrested by a market cross in a field on the opposite side of the road I was somewhat surprised that it had escaped my notice when I formerly passed that way, and I immediately crossed over to examine it. It was formed, as all the English market crosses are, of a series of flat steps with an upright shaft in the center, it was built of the red sandstone of the district, and bore the appearance of great antiquity. 
The field was not far from what might be called the principal street of the village, and as I was aware that considerable changes had taken place of late years in the neighborhood, it occurred to me as possible that at one time the cross might have occupied the center of a space on which the markets were held. My time, however, being limited, I was unable to make any immediate inquiries regarding it, but resolved to take an early opportunity of making myself acquainted with its early history so as to rescue one interesting relic, at least of the place, from apparently a very undeserved obscurity. This opportunity did not present itself for some weeks, but at length it did occur, and I started for the place, to collect all the information, both traditional and otherwise, which I could regarding it. On arriving at the spot, my surprise may be conceived, for it cannot be described, when, on looking at the field where it stood, I found that it had been removed, and all that remained to point out the place was the bare mark on the grass of the spot which it had occupied. The consternation of Aladdin, when he got up on one fine morning, and found that his gorgeous palace had vanished during the night, was hardly greater than mine on making this sad discovery and like him i dare say i rubbed my eyes in hopes that my visual organs had deceived me but with as little success on looking to the other side of the road i observed a mason at work repairing the opposite wall with some very suspicious-looking stones and i immediately crossed over and commenced a categorical examination of the supposed delinquent I inquired whether he could explain to me the cause of the removal of the ancient cross, which used to be in the field exactly opposite to where we were then standing. But he said that, although he was an old residenter in Everton, he had not even been aware of the existence of such an object. This I set down as an additional instance of the want of interest which the natives of the place take in archaeological subjects. He told me, however, that about three weeks previously he had observed several men facing the wall opposite the large stones, which they brought apparently from some place close at hand, but that, having his own work to attend to, he had not bestowed any particular thought on the matter. He said the field was rented by a person for the purpose of cleaning carpets, and he had no doubt the removal had been accomplished by his directions. On stepping across the road, I found these suspicions completely realized, for there, resting on the top of the wall, were the time-honored steps of the cross of my anxiety. Luckily for me, at least, the tenant was not at hand at the time, as in the state of excitement in which I was, I might have done or said something which I should afterwards have regretted. I had no alternative but to return to town, nursing my wrath to keep it warm, and thinking over the best and most efficacious method in which I could accomplish the punishment of the aggressor, whoever he might be, and procuring the restoration of the cross in all its primitive simplicity. I thought of an article in the papers, into which all my caustic and sarcastic powers were to be concentrated and discharged on the head of the desecrator, than of calling on the lord of the manor and mentioning the matter to him, so as, if possible, to carry his influence along with me, although I thought it quite probable that 
he might have sanctioned the spoliation to save the expense of new stones for the repair of his tenant's wall under this latter impression therefore and previous to carrying either of these belligerent intentions into effect i thought it would only be fair to give the obnoxious man an opportunity of explaining the circumstances under which he had assumed such an unwarranted responsibility accordingly a short time afterwards i again wended my way towards the field determined to bring the matter in some way or other to a bearing when i saw a very pleasant-looking man standing at the door of the house in which the carpet-cleansing operations are carried on supposing him to be the delinquent i endeavored to bridle my rising collar as much as possible while i asked him whether he could tell me anything about the removal of the cross which had once stood in that field with a gentle smile which i thought at the time almost demoniac he mildly replied that he had removed it because the object for which he had erected it about twelve months before had ceased to exist and he had taken the stones to repair the wall close by where it had stood the shock which the nervous system of our worthy friend monkbarns received when the exclamation of edie ochiltree fell upon his ear of praetorium here praetorium there i mind the bigonot was not greater than that which mine sustained on receiving this death-blow to all my hopes of rescuing this interesting relic of antiquity from its unmerited oblivion gulping down my mortification as best i could i in as indifferent a manner as i could assume craved the liberty of inquiring what the circumstances were which had led to such a fanciful employment of his time he told me that he had been a carpet manufacturer in oxfordshire but had been unsuccessful in business and had come here and set up his present establishment for the cleaning of the articles which he formerly manufactured and that wishing to add to his income by every legitimate means within his power he had been supplied regularly with a quantity of banbury cakes for the sale of which he had erected a temporary wooden hut in one corner of his field that one morning early about eighteen months ago as he was lying awake in bed the thought struck him that as there were a great many large flat stones lying in the corner of the field he would erect them in front of the hut into the form of the well-known cross of equestrian nursery rhyme notoriety he immediately rose and summoning his workmen succeeded in making a very tolerable imitation of the world-wide known cross but that after about twelve months trial of his cake speculation finding it did not succeed he gave it up and removing the cross of which it was the sign turned the stones to a more useful purpose thus ended my day-dream connected with this interesting relic and nothing i am sure but that indomitable enthusiasm which distinguishes all genuine disciples of the monkbarns school could have sustained me under my grievous disappointment end of an a d l l adventure in liverpool